lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, got it all. We were only chit chatting for like forty minutes or something. Yeah. So. so the whole date was forty minutes. Yeah, because <clears throat> I told him that I have to be here at two. And I have to podcast. Yeah, I told him. Very efficient. And date. now the new listener. Aww. Oh shit! Okay. I was gonna say that wasn't his red flag for you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, very brave of me to lead with, sorry, I only have an hour. I got to be on a podcast. Damn. Yeah, that's a stunt. Hey, everybody. This is Busted Business Bureau. I'm Christian Borky. That's Amy Doe. Hello. That's Blender Bluid. What up? And let's talk about a woman. Oh, I have been waiting for the day. I've been having a she-her weekend. Excited to close it out. Let's keep going. Impossible. This woman does not say math. She says mathematics. Okay. She doesn't say full government name. (laughs) She's fun. She doesn't say again. She says again. Okay. (gasps) When she orders a takeout chicken sandwich, she'll put it on a nice plate in her house and pour the Dr. Pepper into a glass with ice, Mm. perhaps even a metal straw. While she's eating, (laughs) she pours through hundreds of pages of government documents on her dinner table. She's so camp. (laughs) <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> Have I ever said a game? <laughs> I mean, it's never too late to start. I guess I, I should start. <laughs> when she's pouring through these hundreds of pages of government documents, eating her chicken sandwich, drinking her Dr. Pepper, she's perhaps preparing for a congressional hearing. Her name is Bunnatine Hayes Greenhouse, more commonly known as Bunny. Okay. She's mother. <laughs> Bunny is a great nickname. Yeah, it's like totally I'm obsessed. Sweet. Bunny Greenhouse, born at some point, probably in the early 1940s, comes from a family that has a, quote, almost frightening drive. Two of her siblings sought higher and higher education and became professors, one of whom was the first black professor at Louisiana State University. Her kid brother was Elvin Hayes. Does this as an... Oh, you're a WNBA fan. I was was shaking my head at, yeah, black. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know know what you said after that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it just kind of went... First black, whatever it is, awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, her kid brother was Elvin Hayes, one of the greatest forwards in the NBA of all time. Okay. Yeah, all right. Uh, apparently. <laughs> Bunny got her degree in mathematics, <laughs> started her professional career as a teacher, married a man who does army procurements, and then switched her careers into doing army stuff. Hmm. She started as a super low-level government worker, ironing out the details of large military contracts, but she steadily worked her way up through hard work and a reputation of excellence. For three years, she consistently scored nearly perfect marks in job reviews. Marks. Such reviews included, quote, effective, enthusiastic, energetic, tenacious, selfless, ensured the epitome of fairness in core contracting, has ensured professionalism in the acquisition workforce second to none, She's made tough decisions that reflect the highest degree of entrepreneurial and critical thought. It's like Yelp for a person. I literally, if I had a job review, I guess I do have job reviews because my job has Yelp. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I've never been reviewed. And also your podcast has reviews. Oh, I totally forgot. Oh, and people have been leaving really nice ones, even while I Aww. haven't been posting. Um, have you guys ever been the subject of a job review? Yes. And you've seen the comments? Yes. <laughs> Did it destroy you emotionally? Um, No, because I do a good job. I have nothing to say to that. Yeah, no. <laughs> no one's ever reviewed me ever in my life. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Starting now. You've made it in some podcast reviews, though. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. I hope it's nice. And when I put out an um, Instagram story being like, who do you guys want back on the podcast? Mm. Literally every single answer was <laughs> Amy and Blunderbrook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, we have to be together. 
Yeah. Otherwise, that's, uh, yeah, we're the only, that's the only way that we yeah. balance out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 1997, Lieutenant General Joe Ballard hired her to be the top civilian position in the Army Corps of Engineers. This is how she came to oversee billions of dollars of Army contracts. The second, and I mean the second, Lieutenant Joe uh, Joe Ballard left. Her performance reviews immediately soured, <gasps> tanked. Hmm. Ballard wrote in an affidavit that literally everybody hated her because she was a black woman in a position of high power, right? <gasps> Facts. It got to the point where she filed a complaint with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Whoa. a complaint which has never been followed up on. No. Hmm. So this is our background on Bunny Greenhouse. After 9-11, her job, as you can imagine, gets substantially more difficult. Mm -hmm. While she previously was out, like, giving speeches, writing newsletters, you know, like, inspiring everyone below her. Mm. Now she's got her head buried in contract after contract of services, like, of services in Iraq, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. After all, George Bush is now falsely claiming that Saddam's got weapons of mass destruction, just, like, at the ready <laughs> or whatever. Um, Fully lying. Yeah, right, we gotta get on this shit quick. So, in 2003... We launched a surprise invasion of Iraq without any formal declaration of war. We famously did not hit Control-P. <laughs> In the time, however, an emergency contract catches Bunny's attention. She was tasked, I believe, with making edits to approve this contract, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, so her job was to kind of be like the final, like, fine-tooth comb going through all of these, like, contract Contracts? A lot of her job is classified, so we okay. don't know exactly Ooh. what she does, but that's what I assume she's okay. doing. She's okay. important. Yeah, she's quite important. The okay. highest ranking civilian in the Army Corps yeah, of Engineers. A black that. woman. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you could <can> never. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you, you're right. <laughs> For you a lot tell. of different reasons, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so this emergency contract lands on her desk. What's the pitch? It is a no-bid emergency, quote-unquote, contract for Kellogg, Brown, and Root, lasting at least two years and up to five years for over $7 billion worth of services in Iraq. Bunny, a woman who loves the rules, famously, immediately bristles at this. Mm. How is this emergency going to last between two and five years? What does that mean? Mm. Why is no other company allowed to bid on this contract? Why are we just giving it to Kellogg, Brown, and Root? Mm. Also, Kellogg as in... Not that Kellogg. Okay, okay, different Kellogg. <laughs> different, different man. I was about to be like, are we talking about food? <laughs> That's his twin. We talking about Frosted Flakes? <laughs> it's Mr. Evil Kellogg. Well, they're both evil. Actually. Yeah, they're both pretty bad. Arguably, the cereal one's worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're talking about yeah. some pretty bad shit here. Have you have we talked about that on here yet? Not yet. Right. It's because Behind the Bastards already did it. And oh, fair enough. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you can do General Mills instead. Oh my god, I totally could. Last thing. Kellogg, Brown, and Root is a wholly owned subsidiary of Halliburton. That's the company that Vice President Dick Cheney was the CEO of literally three years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. So Bunny had some questions. Yeah. And that's that right, Bunny. is where we will pause on Bunnettine Hayes Greenhouse for Aww. just a moment. Bunnettine Hayes. Like, I'm still not over that name. Yeah. Big it's B incredible. Greenhouse. It is everything to me. That's my squirrel. <laughs> Not this. <laughs> so well, I'm a stan. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is going to be 
I tried to structure it a little differently. I'm going to be saying this every single episode of this season. <laughs> yeah. um, Experiment, girl. This is me experimenting. Yes. Okay. The title of this episode is Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I know. It's going to be just kind of a, a piecemeal picture of the character of Halliburton oh. as told through several different points of view. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That was specifically Bunnies. We're leaving her at around March of 2003 while she's got this contract on her desk. Okay. Okay. All right. So- Time to time to forget about this woman and her Dr Pepper. <laughs> leave leave her with her leave her with her papers and her sandwich. Yes. Two thousand three, the year that G Unit took over rap music. That's where we have left her. Mm. Oh, I love making connections like that. Yeah, tell me a year. I'll tell you uh, who what rapper was really big during that 2008. time. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. That was definitely probably the period of like Ti. Uh, Ludacris was kind of ending his run, but that's Ludo. when the South essentially took over. I need. I have a question for you. What's up? Give me your thoughts on Bob. <laughs> okay, you know what's insane? Is I had a conversation back like a week ago, and we were like, "What the fuck happened to him? Well, he was like supposed to be like really big." Here's why I ask about Bob, is <laughs> because I run a different Instagram account called the account called the Lesbian Lodge. And follow, please. <laughs> do whatever you want. <laughs> this woman followed who runs a podcast that I am now blanking on the name of. Yeah. Uh, but it's her and another black woman. Ta- it's it's a bad, queer, bad Queers Club. That's what it's called. <gasps> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. I was talking. Oh, that was the person I was talking. <laughs> you were talking to Bad Queers Club? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So they have a playlist called, like, music that makes white people go insane or yeah. something. And I was listening to it, and I was like, yeah, this is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You were going it. insane. And B.O.B. is on, like, 7,000 of the songs. Oh, 100%. <laughs> he was—he had a really weird spike and then just disappeared. <laughs> Where'd he go? I don't understand. So it. that's why B.O.B. was on the mind because I was listening yeah. to that playlist and I was like, where's B.O.B.? It was weird, man. 2010, like 2011. Yeah. That was his fucking time. That was, uh, I You're mean, a B.O.B. fan? I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounds like B.O.B. got their B.O. bag and B.O. left. Um, <laughs> they also didn't graduate high school. so Really? They didn't. Good for B.O.B. I know. Does Mr. Does Bob use they them pronouns? I, I, they feel like someone who hmm. would honestly. I almost said, does Mr. Bob use they them pronouns? <laughs> does he use they them pronouns? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right, great. Back to uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, anyways, how about Halliburton? I can't. What a weird thing. I know that's so weird. Oh, we're, yeah. we're sisters. <laughs> So, I was reading this pretty sweet book titled Blood Money, Wasted Billions, Lost Lives, and Corporate Greed in Iraq by T. Christian Miller. Absolutely fucking banger of a book, methinks. I'll be borrowing a lot from his book in this section about Halliburton. So, I'm going to brush through like 100 years of history here, but uh, Halliburton's history is intrinsically tied to Kellogg, Brown, and Root. They used to be different companies. They like merge. Halliburton acquired it. I don't know Mm -hmm. the business term in like the 60s. That is why they are functionally like the same Mm -hmm. and interlinked throughout the Iraq war. Okay, but they are referred to occasionally like interchangeably those two names of the companies. Not necessarily. It depends on what is being talked about. Okay. Kellogg, Brown and Root receives a lot of these contracts, but Mm -hmm. like accounting is done by Halliburton. You know, like it all is under Halliburton. Yeah. It depends on what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so it's kind of like a Unilever situation where, like, Nivea is, like, under Unilever. I assume but, so, okay. but I've never... You are saying words I don't <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, 
again, to brutally oversimplify, Halliburton is an oil services company. They build oil rigs. They help wildcatters manage their oil fields, you know. Mm. Uh, when it acquired construction company Brown and Root in the 60s, mm. Brown and Root, as we'll talk about in future episodes, has always been cozy with the government. Its entire business is built on private government contracting okay. in mm. some way or another. So these two queens maximized their joint sleigh. Not this. <laughs> <In the 60s>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. <laughs> Skip to the 90s when Dick Cheney is the Secretary of Defense during the Gulf War. Halliburton and subsidiary KBR were awarded millions in government contracting in the 90s as well. Their work during the Gulf War proved to be indispensable, and the company grew massively as a mm. result. It's like the Amazon of government military contracting, like for real. It's... You need, you need laundry done for troops, bang, you got it. You mm. need a working electric-powered movie theater on an army base in the middle of nowhere, you got it. Mm. Uh, Your that, snaps are really loud. Those are good snaps. I was really trying to, because I was stepping away from the mic. I was trying to, like, you know, <laughs> get after it, so I made it louder. <laughs> that and everything in between Halliburton and subsidiaries can do. Like I said, I feel like that made it make the most mm -hmm. sense to me. It's like, it's the Amazon of yeah. private so government So do they also do weapons or do they no. do... Okay, so they only do like the surrounding environment of... Okay. Oil, logistics, transportation, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Okay. So Dick Cheney, again, Secretary of Defense, 1989 through 1993. Halliburton then approaches him after his tenure as Secretary of Defense. And they're like, do you want to be CEO? <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of great government connections because you've spent your whole life working in the government. And you're really good at your job. And Dick Cheney was like, fuck yeah, I'd love to make millions just like making calls to already existing connections I have. And like making Halliburton even bigger. Yeah, sounds like a good job. And listen, like, a lot of people do that, you know? Yeah. Literally 50% of the bar staff at the Lincoln Lodge works here just because I knew them and we were <laughs> in a pinch. Mm -hmm. And I texted them being like, hey, can you, do you want to be a bartender? You want to learn? Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's a very human thing to do. We're just mm -hmm. talking about a completely different scale and completely yeah. different shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like a cosmic, I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Globe-shattering, bone-chilling, I know a guy. <laughs> it reverberates in her very cells. <laughs> so he's literally the CEO of Halliburton up until Bush asks him to run with him as vice president. <laughs> Like, whoa. Damn. So I want to read and emphasize points brought up by T. Christian Miller in his book mm -hmm. because it helped me understand the situation better. A lot of people did, uh, in fact, rightfully question Cheney's connection to Halliburton. But to me, it's too simple to just be like, Dick Cheney is getting deferred compensation from them. That's why he alone is approving all these military contracts. Mm -hmm. Like, we're talking billions of dollars and years worth of you know, contracts that affect hundreds of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. He's not like fucking Spartacus sitting there with his thumb up or down, like approving this contract because it'll make him richer. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's just too simple of an explanation. Yeah. Um, so as Miller, exp Miller explains in his book, quote, Halliburton's treatment was different than that of other contractors because the company was different from other contractors. Halliburton had two large missions in Iraq that made it indispensable. The first and biggest uh, had its primary goal of housing and feeding 200,000 U.S. and coalition troops and civilians in Iraq. Mm. The other crucial job was to restore the country's oil infrastructure. Just an insane sentence on its face. What? <laughs> the United States couldn't afford to crack down on Halliburton. Its role was too big, too important, too vital to the American mission. The issue was not so much that Halliburton profited from the United States. It's that America could not profit in Iraq without Halliburton. Okay. Is this making sense? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I, I fear the Reddit comments coming at me immediately of like, you're criticizing Dick Cheney is close to Halliburton, but like, you know, he doesn't control everything. And it's like, no, that's not what I'm criticizing. I'm not, I'm barely even criticizing. I'm just explaining right now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the situation of Halliburton. Yeah. It, like it, it, it reminds me almost like of like a parasitic relationship mm. where like, um, this is going to be really weird. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. There's this bug that kind of looks like a roll. <laughs> I told you that it was going to be weird. I just wasn't expecting you to talk about bugs. <laughs> <laughs> There's this marine bug that looks kind of like a giant roly-poly, okay. and it's a parasite. Mm. How it works is this. It's gross, okay? It um, hops into a fish's mouth and eats the fish's tongue and then replaces it. <sighs> and so the fish can no longer swallow uh, unless the bug is there. <gasps> what? Yeah. Okay. No, never mind. I was gonna. I was gonna say something really vulgar. Just say it. I mean, is the fish is the fish still out eating puss? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Actually, <laughs> I th- if it did, I think the bug would help <laughs> because it behooves the bug to keep the fish. <laughs> the bug happy. to eat puss. <laughs> it does behoove the the bug to keep the fish happy because yeah. it can't That's live unless true. the fish is still alive. Exactly. So fish- yeah. And so, the fish must eat puss. And so it made <laughs> your discussing Halliburton's relationship with the American government made me think about that fish and the bug mm. because of what you said about like they can't live without each other. Yeah. But that doesn't make it like natural or right. Whoa. Thanks for doing way more critical thought than Christ. I did <laughs> making this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just like reading books and saying things. <laughs> <laughs> Amy comes through with the analysis. Thank you. That was really good. Good job, great. Amy. That was great. Oh my God. My brain is like tingled in so many ways. <laughs> I hope that's actually a real thing and not something that I dreamt of. I'll i I'll look it up later. I promise. The worst part is if you lied to us, we would have no idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. A bug is in someone's tongue. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to put this in perspective, at some point in February or March of 2003, the no bid contract is like circulating on you know, through the government, Bunny mm-hmm. Greenhouse's desk. On March 19th, 2003, the U.S. invaded Iraq. Mm. By April 22nd, 2003, Halliburton already had an Iraqi oil field up and running. <gasps> That's so Damn. fast. Yeah. It's like a month, a month and yeah. a half? Now, they were there before the invasion, but like, yeah, like, it was They fast. were there before the invasion just like kind of doing stuff? I believe before the invasion, we had troops and contractors okay. there doing stuff to start mm. with. Okay. 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 It just was not a military invasion or a use of quote unquote force. Mm -hmm. All right. So, the next step in my logical thinking and making this script Mm. is to tell you a story about Halliburton's accounting practices. Okay. Okay. A lot of what happens with KBR, which will be the next episode, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, uh, is about fraud, waste, abuse of taxpayer money. And it's very funny. (laughs) Yikes. We are paying the salaries of many of these dudes, and they constantly find new and hilarious ways to go fucking bananas with it. So this is a story that sets the window dressing of how they're able to sort of get away with a lot of this Mm -hmm. and commit a lot of fraud. So let's talk about a man. Man. (laughs) His name is Tony Menendez. He's got a wife, a couple young kids. He accepts a job in the accounting department of Halliburton in 2005. I need to stop for a second. I, this isn't even in the script. I was reading a, po- a ProPublica piece about him. Mm-hmm. And like in editorializing, you know, the guy was interviewing him and it's like, he hides a bulky frame under a corduroy jacket. 
And it made me horrified to think about how a journalist would editorialize me. (laughs) 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 The kind of insecurities they would bring out. (laughs) And when talking about his wife, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was like, remnants of the 16-year-old bad girl can be like seen twinkling in her eyes. I was like, ProPublica, fucking relax. (laughs) Like, fucking chill out. She kind of has like... A smoky eye? Like, what's going I, on? It's unclear. She dresses like she's in the early 2000s. I don't know. That's nuts. <laughs> but it terrified me of what insecurities they would break out <laughs> of me. Yeah. They yeah. gotta be super descriptive. Mm. They gotta paint a picture yeah. with words. Yeah. Blender Bluid looks like a kid who never broke a bone. <laughs> Knock on wood. It'll maybe happen one day. I don't hope you not. haven't broken a bone? I really haven't. Oh, my God. My my editorializing was spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right, Amy, you're next. Amy Doe reads of a woman who will one day own three cats, but they are all outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own them. <laughs> they come to visit me Nature sometimes. owns them. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, I'll try to do you. Um, (laughs) Christian Borky looks like they, uh, she, they, uh, energetic. (laughs) Fuck. The way I have been getting they, them so fucking often, and I don't know why. (laughs) I know. Because you're you're an ally. I guess. But I get they, them at my bartending jobs. I get they, them. Even when I correct people, I still get they, (laughs) them. And I'm not giving a they, them fantasy, I don't think. No, you're not. I think it's literally just because your name is gender neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you a story about my name before Mm -hmm. we keep talking about Everton's accounting? Mm -hmm. I had a religion teacher. Uh, I won't drop full name on the pod, (laughs) but uh, I had two religion teachers, actually, that got married in high school. How would you editorialize them? Uh... I have to think of names. Mary, Mary and Joseph uh, yeah. read as two people <laughs> who are a gay guy and a lesbian, okay. <laughs> 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 but are married. Whoa! I love okay. that actually. Uh, they like were the staunchest religious teachers in this school. They had a like notorious reputa- reputation for saying like insane things. Mm. And one time, middle class Mary, let's call her. Uh, says to me, they were pregnant with their second child and this one was going to be a boy. She was so excited. And she was like, I want to name him Christian uh, because like we are, we love God. Um, uh. But she said, quote, Joseph doesn't agree with gender neutral names. Wow. <laughs> Which is That's so funny. insane. There are no girls named Christian out there. It's just me. <laughs> so I totally ruined the name Christian for this couple. Your impact. That's My hilarious. impact. <laughs> Whenever she would talk about a fight with Joseph, she always lost in the most disturbing and sad way, and she'd frame it as like an equal partnership. It was very sad. Uh, uh, oh, no. Uh, uh, like, she wanted, she had like a stepdad or something. Yeah, I'm fully just putting her business out there. Mm. She had a stepdad who was like really, really important to her. She like took his last name mm. and she wanted their first kid's middle name to be this last name. Mm-hmm. And Kevin said, oh, I'm sorry, I said his real name. <laughs> <laughs> and Joseph said no. <laughs> so like she didn't get to have this like really meaningful name what? be their kid's middle name. That's insane. I know. <laughs> That's nuts. Oh man. So, anyways, uh, religion teachers. so Halliburton's accounting a man Tony Menendez gets a job Halliburton 2005 Uh, 2005 2005 that's going to be still G-Unit a little bit but Kanye's kind of making his leap yeah and by 2007 it's his Mm. forgive my dramatically limited knowledge of accounting but months into his tenure Tony Menendez's tenure not Mm. G-Units 
<laughs> months into Tony Menendez's tenure at the company, he notices a fundamental problem with the company's accounting. I'll use a, a uh, an example to explain what he saw, but this isn't the thing he saw. Okay. Mm. Let's say, and I'm just thinking this randomly, that Halliburton gets awarded a contract to help BP build an oil rig called Deepwater Horizon. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> just say for the sake of argument, <laughs> that Halliburton's job is to make cement that holds pieces of the oil rig in place. Mm-hmm. Yikes. When BP agrees to use Halliburton's cement, they don't just immediately pay 100% for the cement, mm-hmm. right? Like, Halliburton mm. also will send scientists to make sure that the cement is good to occasionally service the cement, whatever. Mm. So it's not all paid at once. And let's say for the sake of argument that uh, the cement is <laughs> not stable and then Deepwater Horizon explodes and causes one of the greatest environmental tragedies in human history. What quarter do we count that revenue under? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, if BP agreed to pay a million dollars for Halliburton cement just over time, mm-hmm. something happens. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you count that revenue? Do you count it all at once when mm. BP agrees? Do you wait it out? Mm-hmm. These are questions that accountants have to think about. Mm-hmm. And whatever the way that Halliburton keeps track of their revenue is wrong. I can't explain exactly how it is wrong, but it is wrong, okay. according sure. to Tony Menendez and friends. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, they are, yeah, you know, misrepresenting when or how much money they make in a certain quarter mm. because they get a lot of long-term contracts. Mm-hmm. It is a difficult thing. Mm. And they are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So, like, they are just fundamentally incapable of keeping track of this. So, and it's, like, snowballing mm-hmm. because the bad habits from, like, the smaller contracts are mapped onto the bigger contracts. Yeah. And Tony was the first person to realize this? I doubt first, but he was one of the loudest. Okay. So Menendez files a complaint with the SEC, and he asks them to investigate. Mind you, Adelphia just happened. Oh. Enron just happened. Accounting fraud was at the forefront of the public imagination. On the streets. And I can imagine- Accounting era. (laughs) America's in its G-unit and accounting fraud era. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) G-unit. Anyway, <laughs> no explain. I don't get it. Like, yeah, go off. Like, jeez, like money. Oh my god! <laughs> they were counting jeez. Like a unit of money, a G, correct? <laughs> Do you know what I am saying? <laughs> okay, I'm being editorialized, and I don't like it. Maybe I'll go talk to my outdoor cat. We both said T. So. Um, Menendez files a complaint with the SEC and sends a memo out to everyone, not saying he filed a complaint, but being like, hey, we are fundamentally doing this wrong. (gasps) We Mm. should fix it. Mm. Oh, my God. Company-wide email. (laughs) And then over time, nothing happens. The company doesn't do anything, and he's getting more and more paranoid. Like, what's next? Why is nothing going on? Why is nothing happening? Is he like a low-level accountant? No. Okay. I don't know exactly what level, but he's definitely not low. Okay. Hmm. So as time stretches on, he gets more and more paranoid. Mm-hmm. Eventually, he gets to the point where he wears a wire to record a conversation with his boss. <gasps> <gasps> Diva. So I'll let ProPublica take the wheel on this bit. <clears throat> Quote, now that the memo... I'm sorry, I'll try that one again. <sighs> Quote, now that your memo is out, quite frankly, it's a good memo, okay? McCollum can be heard saying on the scratchy recording. He and a colleague had, quote, a lot of conversations about it, and uh, we think your conclusion is appropriate. But McCollum told Menendez that his approach was wrong. He was making his colleagues feel stupid. He needed to be more collegial. Quote, they didn't just fall off a turnip truck, he told Menendez. (laughs) 
What? What is the Animal Crossing reference? <laughs> <laughs> he's saying they're playing Animal Crossing right before the meeting, and he's like, uh, metaphor, metaphor. Um, it's not like uh, falling off the turnip truck. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> you did so good. Fucking crushed that dog. <laughs> uh, back to ProPublica. The problem was that the Halliburton team, working with auditors from KPMG, had reached a different conclusion. And then McCollum says, quote, Could their facts have been incomplete? Yes, absolutely. Could KPMG's national office have been smoking dope? Yes, they could. But Menendez would have to be delicate if he wanted to change the company's practices. Halliburton, McCollum explained, was a huge organization with lots of, quote, communication issues. To succeed, Menendez would need to be, quote, politically sensitive. And what? here McCollum was emphatic, don't put things in writing. What? <laughs> quote, you have to be incredibly circumspect about the use of email to communicate uh, with everybody. So <laughs> even if Menendez was inaccurate in his findings, which doesn't seem to be the case based on kind of what McCollum's hinting at. Mm. It's still pretty damning to hear the boss's point of view of the office culture. If somebody's raising a legitimate concern, whether it be right or wrong, it's handled like he's a fucking seated senator dealing with like a sex scandal, you know? Like, that's kind of an underlying issue with the company culture. Mm, it's like, don't talk about it. Like, we all know that everything is not right, but it's just kind of easier to keep doing things as they are. And like, don't write it down. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, Menendez winds up shooting himself in the foot. <laughs> like, and, literally? No. Okay, oh my God. <laughs> so he'd file this complaint with the SEC, and this is off the top of my head, I don't remember in the article, mm. but he then winds up either telling someone at the office or somehow making it known to someone else mm -hmm. that he's the one who filed the complaint. Mm. His boss knows that, sends a company-wide email that's <gasps> like, Mr. Menendez filed a complaint with the SEC. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Snitch. Brutal. The snitching culture is nuts. I know. That's nuts. Wow. Yeah. The, the snitch writing is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so separately around this time, oh, also, I kind of like stopped talking about Menendez in this script, but he spent the ne next like 10 years of his life dealing with being a whistleblower for <laughs> Halliburton, trying to get like justly compensated for what happened after. Mm -hmm. It's just like a crazy way to spend nine years of your life, like not yeah. giving up, trying to, you know. So he continued to work at Halliburton, yes. but then was kind of like a pariah there because mm -hmm. everyone knew that he... Right, he didn't last very long, you know. Oh, okay. And was he fired or did no, he leave? He left. Okay. It's even worse to, like, fire the guy, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, That uh, would have been bad form. So separately, around this time as well, the Pentagon's primary audit agency conducted a separate investigation into Halliburton and found that its internal accounting systems were, like, literally unequipped to handle the amount of new data coming through. Mm. That is, Halliburton's contracts exploded between 2002 and 2005. Mm -hmm. Quite literally, none of the accountants could keep up. Not to mention that their other, like, outside auditor, like I mentioned, is KPMG, notoriously the shitty one. Mm. And now I need to take a, a break to uh, <laughs> take a tangent on KPMG. Okay. Shout out to KP. So this has nothing to do with war. <laughs> Not shout out to KP, indeed. Uh, this has nothing to do with Halliburton, nothing to do with the rock. Just a separate Guardian article I found that I just <laughs> wanted to tell you guys about. So... Busted business Swiss correspondent Ali Fisher has extensive <laughs> knowledge of auditing firms. Mm -hmm. That's where I got the information that KPMG of the big auditing firms is like the shitty one. Oh, yeah. Why is that? A, a bunch. Maybe I'll even insert a video of her explaining it, uh, but I don't know. Bunch of reasons. Okay. She once sent me a very long video about it. It was really funny. Okay. 
Um, so I wanted to do a quick Google search to be able to uh, fluently explain to you just some of the scandals they've been involved in, of which there are many, of just like they didn't do their job. Maybe they are smoking dope at the national office. I don't know. But when I was looking up just like quick examples to give the to, to the two of you, I found this article in The Guardian. Basically, as The Guardian reports it, a group of Australian academics put together an inquiry for their parliament, basically saying like, hey, all four of the big four auditing firms consistently get embroiled in scandals. Can we do an official government investigation into them? Mm-hmm. The problem was, in their report, they used Google's Bard AI to do some of their research. What? And Google completely made up like <gasps> scholarly articles what? about all four of the auditing firms. And they didn't check? I guess they didn't check. Whoa. Because it just looked right. <laughs> These are the people who lead our country. These are not the people who lead our country. This is a group of academics pitching to the government like, hey, we're all the smart guys. Can you look into the big auditing firms only to find out that the smart guys used AI to do their research? They didn't check. No. <laughs> the dummies. No. They fucked it. They fucked oh it my so God. bad. Bully uh, nerds. Unfortunately, bully nerds. Bully these nerds. We need to bully nerds more. <laughs> <laughs> so like, Google was pulling up information of the big four auditing firms and they had to like refute these claims. So they had to be like, you know, we never audited General Motors. We weren't involved mm-hmm. in the scandal. We weren't involved in the 7-Eleven wage theft scandal. That wasn't us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was unfortunately very funny. So that's what I wanted to tell the two of you about. Okay. That's to- nuts. And so I'm assuming that this did not go through because, no. yeah, because they just didn't actually write the inquiry request. They like, I believe had the examples they already knew about they included mm-hmm. like in the article mm-hmm. uh, but then like supplemental evidence you know, like even more like they fully made it up y- yeah well google made it up but yeah right <laughs> source i made it up <laughs> i saw it in a dream <laughs> I, can i give this random thought off I've, I've had for a while i'm begging okay remember when you were making that example about the bp yes oil? I, have you ever seen one of those like dove commercials where like they clean a duck yeah oh yeah i always just think did they just like Get that duck all oily for this commercial? <laughs> I'm always like, what is it? Why is that? Why would this be a thing? Why would you just have this dirty ass duck <laughs> under this like Hollywood light? Did you get the duck dirty? It just feels like there's no other way around it, right? It's I've never of, thought about that before. I think they might be getting the I duck dirty. I think they dirty. get the duck dirty. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of shitty. Just tell me the soap works, dog. You don't gotta like. Keep this duck in the fucking mud right. for me. The duck can't accurately sign a form. Yeah. Like, I have consented to this scene. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about an animal handler, like, trying to wrangle a goose, like, and reading it. <laughs> reading it, the contract. <laughs> and the goose, like, puts its little, like, foot in, like, an ink stamp pad. <laughs> yeah, maybe the duck wanted to. Yeah, maybe. Maybe the duck needed, like, exposure. <laughs> the, the, duck, the duck's agent just yeah. really wants to get its name out there the duck recently got canceled and has had to do a couple projects <laughs> yeah. like you know <laughs> to pay the bills the yeah. duck's trying to be sad eligible <laughs> yeah the duck needs insurance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the duck needs health insurance for all the oil it's covered in <laughs> i'm glad you brought that thanks up. thanks god i was like i'm holding that on <laughs> hold on to that one for a how while. long how long <laughs> well at least from like the time you mentioned it but i've had this stuff for a while now yeah yeah I uh, the, uh, to circle back to the Deepwater Horizon <laughs> thing, um, that did happen. That Halliburton did provide them cement that was unstable, which is part of why 
it exploded. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> it's so How funny. hard is it to make good cement? Apparently harder than you fucking think. I want to. Wow. Can you make cement? Damn. No, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over there Amy with your Dill, jaw a, on the floor. A woman who can't make cement. <laughs> <laughs> Could it be I me? Could, I think I could if I tried really hard. I don't think you can make it for a giant oil rig. <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm only, I'm only one person. <laughs> I'm a small bean. <laughs> okay, I did not say that. <laughs> I'm just a heckin' chalker. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so back to Halliburton. Yeah. We've got this massive company that, through decades of working with the government, has become one of the largest, most reliable quartermasters, basically. A quartermaster is what we used to call the troops in charge of, like, logistics, rations, etc. That just used to be, like, some high-ranking soldier's job. Is like, where do we sleep? What do we eat? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So, as discussed in... The camp counselor. <laughs> it's giving camp counselor. <laughs> Lieutenant camp counselor. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> as discussed in the last episode, we've seen a steady increase in the U.S.'s reliance on private military contractors, due in part to our lack of a draft. But there's another reason why we are so reliant on private military contractors. I'll again let T. Christian Miller explain. Quote, Halliburton cemented... Uh, cemented. <laughs> 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 well, Halliburton cemented its importance to the American military in the 1990s thanks to the end of the Cold War and the ascendancy of Dick Cheney. Cheney, then Defense Secretary for First President Bush, cut military spending by $10 billion. Woke, yes, puss down. <laughs> <laughs> and he reduced... Did you write that in there? No. Okay. Um, That's a good ad yeah. Thank you, I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, and reduced troop strength from 2.2 million to 1.6 million. To accomplish these cuts, Cheney embraced the idea of outsourcing to, private, to the private sector. He commissioned a study to examine whether the military could let private firms handle some of its support functions. Brown and Root run the contract to conduct this study. Mm. Brown and Root's study led to the creation of the Logistics Civilian Augmentation Program, LOGCAP for short. LOGCAP essentially turned over the military's quartermaster functions to private companies. It was a daunting task. The contractor had to be ready at a moment's notice to set up food and housing for 20,000 troops in a variety of potential global hotspots for up to 180 days. The first company to win the contract? Halliburton. Mm. So, like, literally, its subsidiary writes the book on how yeah. to make, get this done, and then yeah. Halliburton wins the first contract in getting it done. Yeah. But all that is to say... Dick Cheney specifically was like, we should start outsourcing more soldier functions to private companies. Mm -hmm. To, um, like, reduce government spending? No, because we're still spending money on it. Yeah. Um, in part, this is a... I don't even know if it's specifically... Uh, it's like a neoliberal belief, to borrow from a word from college. Not meaning, like, Democrat. Neoliberal is, like, a economic philosophy of, like, the free market's gonna mm -hmm. do it and mm. do it better. Okay. So I think it's a neoliberal idea, right? Like, okay. the private sector will do this job better. Mm. And maybe even, yes, to cut spending, because, mm -hmm. like, you know, maybe they'll do it for less. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good old Cory Booker politics. Ooh. Speak on it. Well, While know, I find just... my earring that fell. <laughs> Also, listeners, you all know this, uh, Christian's wearing the coolest grape earrings I've ever seen in my life. I did have to take them out, though, because my headphones are too chunky. That's fair. I'm sorry, I said chon the heckin' chonker thing is still on my mind. <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. So, I'd like to talk more about log cap, as it's going to come up a lot in the next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, 
worth mentioning though before I start talking about log cap I did this a uh, presentation on log cap in college and it had to be quote creative and so I did a parody of Mean Girls to like explain it <laughs> okay and it was it was I guess I was one of the more liberated minds of this class, read drunk. And so <laughs> um, when I did it, the professor thought it was so out there and so creative. She like made me do it for a different class. Oh, no. It was so embarrassing. Wait, so are you going to do that for us? No, I blo- <laughs> actually, I could probably find it if I tried hard enough, but I don't yeah, still yeah. have it. Okay. Um, but it was very embarrassing. But I really enjoyed that professor. And that's the How reason. was it structured? How did you make, turn this into Mean Girls? I, I think it was like, Okay, Regina is like KBR and Katie's like Halliburton and blah, blah, blah is like this. Mm-hmm. The government is like Aaron Samuel. It was something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and just like explain. They also the have names. You could, you could mention Gretchen, my favorite. I forgot Gretchen's name because. That's disrespectful. Because <laughs> that's my girl. I don't like Mean Girls. I don't like the movie. I hate the musical. I'm not a fan of Miss Tina Fey's work. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> So anyways, log cap. We get a few variations of log cap agreements as if they're fucking Star Wars movies. Like, like log cap four. <laughs> Wait, so one more time. What does it stand for? Logistical? Logistics Civilian Augmentation Program. Okay. Hmm. I think. Okay. So they're trying to, so they're trying to augment the army's um, Logistics. Or, yes, with civilians. Yes. Okay. It just doesn't make for as charming of an, uh, what's yeah, that called? Yeah, no acronym. Yeah. Log cap. Log cap. <laughs> so the way that log cap agreements work is they are cost plus. Meaning, if you're contracted to, let's say, build a helicopter pad in Iraq, mm-hmm. you are guaranteed the amount of money needed to build the materials mm-hmm. and like fairly pay the staff. Mm-hmm. And plus a guaranteed extra bonus so that your company will turn a profit from it. So you're not like netting oh, zero. Oh, okay. This is in part supposed to alleviate the pressure to cut corners to keep mm. like costs down. If the government, let's say, promise you, promises you $100 to build this helicopter pad, but then like a torrential rainstorm happens and everyone gets sick, they don't want you hiring someone for two cents on the dollar to install the pad. Mm. They'll install it wrong, and then that just causes more damage than necessary. And people mm. might die. And people might die. So they want to guarantee you some sort of bonus that you'll like turn a profit and keep it sort of nebulous so that way, like, if something happens, it's not, like, set in stone of, mm-hmm. like, you were only promised this much money. Does sure. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's a good policy. I like that. It is also an invitation for abuse from these yeah. fucking people, right? Yeah, like, I, could, I could also see that. <laughs> <laughs> and this will really be the star of next episode is Law Cap oh, and people. Oh, no. I can't build the helicopter unless I have... Brooklyn and sheets. <laughs> Dead ass. I can't wash this bag of laundry unless you give me $100 to do it. <laughs> that's not a fake figure I made up listeners I hope you don't let Amy off on that one Amy I saw you you what? were over here being like that's a really good idea until <laughs> it got spinned around you are like actually you know what you're correct well yeah because the moonwalking was crazy on that one <laughs> because I immediately put myself into a military contractor's <laughs> position and I was like oh man the things that I would get the US government to buy me <laughs> <laughs> listeners edit, edit Amy out of context Get her. Come on, Redditors. <laughs> Let's go, Reddit. Use your two skills. <laughs> Editing and taking things out of context. <laughs> so, again, invitation for abuse for a lot of these people. Again, we'll really dig deep in the KBR episode about this, but I wanted to introduce it to, you know, sort of explain it in advance. Mm. It'll come up later. Soft launch. Soft launch. Oh. <laughs> 
Stop watching. So before we move on, there was, believe it or not, a lot of dense information that's been discussed. So we're going to pause, do a quick recapitulation. Okay. One, we froze on Bunny Greenhouse circa mm-hmm. 2002, staring at a multi-billion dollar, no-bid emergency contract to Halliburton subsidiary. Mm. Halliburton, the Amazon of private military contracting, has had a decades-long relationship with the government and is the only company functionally equipped to deal with the errant, nebulous, substantially too large demands of the government after 9-11, especially since the actual military has long been shrinking and gutted in various ways. Mm-hmm. Halliburton, a company with inadequate accounting, according to whistleblowers like Tony Menendez and the government itself, is now in charge of moving and delivering on billions of dollars of services. Mm. When not even three years before this, Dick Cheney was its CEO. So let's talk about a man. Dick Bruce Cheney. (laughs) His middle name is Bruce? Pictured here serving cunt. (laughs) Okay, smirk. I wonder if if that's the photo that they showed Kiki Palmer. (laughs) <laughs> in one of my favorite short form internet videos. I don't videos. know that man. Sorry to that man. <laughs> Sorry to this Iconic. Man. So you two know Dick Cheney from the Kiki Palmer video. I only knew him <laughs> from the Eminem lyric, I know that you've got a job, Miss Cheney, but your husband's heart problem's complicated. <laughs> Apparently he was vice president at some point. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Strange, I didn't know that. So with Mr. Cheney, I'd like to work backwards and do things a little bit differently here. Dick Cheney currently lives relatively outside the public eye, occasionally speaking at events or advising his Republican Congress daughter, Liz. (laughs) I invented Congress daughter, by the way. (laughs) He enjoys the outdoors of Wyoming. He maybe has a dog named Nelson. He chills with his many grandkids. That's 2023 Dick Cheney. In 2012, at the age of 71 years old, Dick Cheney received a full heart transplant. Having had five heart attacks prior to this, Cheney's heart was weakened and bloated to double the size that a heart should be. That's not great. He shouldn't be that big. I didn't know that they could do that. (laughs) Yeah, his heart (laughs) grew three sizes after the Iraq War. (laughs) 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 You didn't like that one? I'm just I'm, I'm picturing it. It's so funny. But with this face. Yeah. <laughs> so his heart was weakened and bloated to double the size that a heart should be. <laughs> this is, in fact, what Marshall Mathers was referring to. Marshall. <laughs> Dick Cheney. <laughs> One more time. You can say his government name. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Cheney has suffered from chronic cardiovascular illness, having had his first cigarette at the age of 12. And smoking something like three packs a day through his 20s and 30s, combined with a genetic history of bad hearts, Dick Cheney did not set himself up for success in the heart department. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. This has long been a talking point for critics and allies alike. Is Cheney fit to be in office? He's got a bad heart. What if he croaks? Uh, Like... There are new studies coming out that people with heart disease have, like, limited mental capacity or, like, it changes. So... This is something that he's struggled with through his entire career. Should we not re-elect him because of his health problems? Mm. After his second heart attack, he remembers the next phase of his life like this. Quote, In retrospect, my refusal to accept the notion that I had chronic disease may have been helpful from the standpoint of my being able to aggressively pursue my political career and enjoy the active pursuits I loved. I didn't think of myself as a patient, and I didn't act like one. If I had, I might not have run for Congress, put in the long hours required, or sought a House Republican leadership position. My view of my health also affected the way others perceived me. 
My colleagues in Congress, for example, a group of highly motivated, ambitious political figures, might have been unlikely to select me as one of their leaders if they thought of me as, quote, the guy with the bad heart. The reality, however, is that I was a patient with coronary artery disease. The second heart attack forced me to acknowledge that I had significant chronic heart problems that would likely worsen over time. This is to say, first of all, this is from a book that he wrote with his cardiologist, which is unfortunately very cunty. I yeah, do love that. I, I kind of, that's a slay. That's a huge slay. <laughs> kind of iconic. Like, he does half of it. The cardiologist does the other half of it. Because Dick Cheney has been the benefactor of, like, his entire lifetime of heart research. He, should, by his own admission, should not be alive today. Mm. He is alive because of the many medical advancements we've made in the field of cardiology. So... He has many, many times in his life reckoned with his own mortality. He has come near death many times. When elected into the vice presidency in 2000, he actually drafted a resignation letter. The United States at the time had no law deciding what to do if a vice president was alive but incapacitated. Mm. So Cheney figured he'd resign and leave some clear line of succession were that to happen. He has come that close to death. He writes, touchingly in my opinion, about these constant brushes with death in the same book. Quote, I find myself thinking a lot about the past these days. This is going to be a long quote, by the way. <laughs> Strap in. I think about my parents and questions I should have asked them when they were here. How I wish they lived long enough to have been at the inauguration when I was sworn in as vice president in 2001. I think about the future, too, and how grateful I am to be able to leave a record of my life for my grandchildren and their grandchildren. I spend a lot of time with my four granddaughters and three grandsons doing things I never thought I'd be able to do. Three years ago, I was an end-stage heart failure and could hardly get out of my chair. Fifteen months after receiving my new heart, I look on every day as a magnificent gift. I had, reckoned, I had reconciled myself to dying. I felt I had left nothing undone and I was at peace with the idea that I'd reached the end of my days. Suddenly, though, I have new days ahead. Incredible, amazing days I've never expected to see. I owe these days to the grace of the donor of my heart and the donor's family, to my medical team and to family and friends all across America who have sent their prayers my way. They have given me the gift of life, and I thank them. I cannot imagine anything more precious that one human being could bestow on another. Mm. When Dick Cheney was asked about the enhanced interrogation techniques that involved force-feeding, sensory deprivation, physical abuse, straight-up torture, he had this following exchange with an NBC reporter. Quote, this is Dick Cheney. I'm more concerned with the bad guys who got out and released than I am with the few that were, in fact, innocent. Chuck Todd says, 25% of detainees, though, 25% turned out to be innocent. They were released. You're okay with that margin of error? And Dick Cheney says, I have no problem with that as long as we achieve our objective. Oh, my God. When asked by Martha Raddatz, ABC News, about his opinion about the fact that two-thirds of Americans no longer supported the war in Iraq in 2008, Cheney responded, and I quote, So? <laughs> <laughs> when Bunny Greenhouse wound up voicing her concerns over the Halliburton contract, they went ahead anyway without any of her suggestions or edits. Namely, her suggestion was just to open up the bidding process to other companies. Mm -hmm. She blew the whistle and appeared before Congress several times to call out, quote, the most blatant and improper contract abuse I have witnessed in the course of my professional career. Now, she wasn't allowed to be fired because she was like high level enough, but she was demoted, relegated to a cubicle far from her original office, harassed due to her race, age and gender. 
She lost her professional career, and she was degraded every single step of the way. Oh, my God. When Dick Cheney was asked about his Halliburton connection, the very thing Bunny Greenhouse was raising a flag over, he was asked by a seated senator about this, and he responded with the words, quote, Go fuck yourself. I hope he gets five more heart attacks. Dick Cheney oversaw the approval of Halliburton's no-bid contract that ended Bunny Greenhouse's career. He's advocated for war that took the lives of hundreds of thousands of people who had lives as rich and interesting as his own. They have their own stories, their own grandchildren, their own heart problems, their own disastrous and inexplicable hunting accidents in the woods. All right. I don't know if that hits no, with you, I, too. I do. All right. I know it's not very busted business bureau-y, but I can't help but get a little emotional. I was, like, emotional writing the script. And there's a reason why I picked to talk about his heart problems and mm-hmm. his health over time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, side story. I suddenly wound up at the front, like, the literal front of a protest a few days ago, like, for Palestine. Oh, because yeah. the bus route that I took was just strange, and I wound up, like, standing. <laughs> like, they were talking, like, right <laughs> next to me, and I was like, ugh. There was this journalist that was talking about all of the journalists in Palestine that have just been, like, systemically targeted and murdered. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, could not stop crying, right? Mm-hmm. I just, I cry a lot more easily now. And it wasn't, like, white woman wailing, mm-hmm. but, like, just the tears were coming out, mm-hmm. and, like, all of the cameras were pointed at me, and I was like, oh, fuck me, man. <laughs> Anyways. I can't lie and say that I'm like not making this podcast with a specific, deeply emotional spin. That's why I obsess over Dick Cheney's heart. What about his soul? How does he sleep at night? Ooh. Knowing the kind of shit that went down by his own advocacy across the globe. Yeah, the way that he talks about like his own life like proves to me that he is actively making a choice to not care about the lives of other people in his line of work. Mm-hmm. If you have this own introspection, you've come to death, you've come close to death so many times. Mm. How do you not direct that thinking outward? Yeah. Mm. Like, how do you keep those two things completely separate in your mind? It has to be the only way he can do it and sleep at night, you know? Yeah. Like, Mm. he just doesn't see other people as human. Right. Like, all of those people that were directly affected by his own policy choices, like, (laughs) God, it's so fucking bleak, man. Uh, And it's not just him, right? Like, He's just the guy whose thoughts and feelings we have the most access to. So this episode specifically doesn't quite illuminate how bad it gets, but the question of how he sleeps at night is going to get harder and harder to answer throughout the season. Mm. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. Like, you you know, there's like the... I feel like we all kind of have like a general idea of like politicians do not work like normal people. But it's like we when you see it broken down and like the very specifics, it's like, how do you yeah. get to the point where you're even willing to do this and then also have the ability to keep doing shit like this? Mm-hmm. So weird. I'm just like, I don't know how you end up seeing human beings that way. Yeah. Halliburton is a busted business because of its accounting things that mm-hmm. are fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um and there are a lot of um, fraud, waste, abuse, and also straight up like torture, killing, etc. that happens under the watch of its subsidiary KBR. We have not talked about it in this episode. It is coming up, right? This episode was about procurement. Like, how did it come to be that Halliburton and KBR had all of this power over Iraq? Why is there so much waste, fraud, and abuse? That's what this episode is answering. So it might sound, like, dramatic to come right out the gate and be like, Dick Cheney, how do you sleep at night? Because, like, (laughs) this episode wasn't really about that. But knowing what's coming and knowing how many people died over this, it's just fucking bleak. You know, and that's not necessarily an indictment of Halliburton itself. Halliburton is just involved in all of this. You know, it's just there. 
that makes sense? Right. Yeah. But also there's a reason that it's there. Yeah. And like Dick Cheney is a huge part of the architecture of why mm-hmm. like he worked very specifically against the advice of people like Bunny mm-hmm. to put Halliburton there. Mm-hmm. Probably because he on some fundamental level understood that they would be like gung ho to do all of like the shitty shit. Yeah. And like the ability of people like Dick Cheney to have both the power, the influence, the capability, and the gall <laughs> to put dominoes in place so that they have no choice but to fall in like such a brutalistic and like awful way is crazy. Yeah. It's always just weird to think like there's like truly I don't know. I mean, there's probably like a gazillion Americas, but like, there's definitely a difference between like a business over, like business owners and politicians have their literal own universe. <laughs> yeah. And like we, I, it reminds me of like the actors and writers strikes, where it's like the actors are asking for like truly like one percent of a difference for people, mm-hmm. and then it's like yeah. Like these businesses, are, yeah, but then like you know our our actual billionaire bosses are gonna get mad at us for nothing. It's like you just you work on a completely different level. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand why this is a thing. Yeah, for yeah. You. Like I don't know. It's just like we are incredible worlds apart, even though we're on the same earth. Yeah, and I like that you put in the part about Bunny and also Tom, Thomas, Tony, Tom, yeah. Tony, because it proves that like kind of normies like brush up against it sometimes yeah. and it literally feels like like being a fly yeah and then like this giant hand just kind of goes no yeah <laughs> it's like if, if you try to change it at all they'll yeah. be like, no you're not big enough and it ruins your life yeah. am i necessarily crying tears over the fact that bunny greenhouse somebody who is instrumental in all of this war crime and war profiteering yeah. no longer has a job doing that not necessarily no. but like yeah somebody who is normal and can see like <laughs> okay, this is fucked up the way that we're doing it. Mm -hmm. What if we try to change it? Even Mm -hmm. she is just like swatted out. The highest possible rank that a civilian can hold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. (laughs) Busted. Wild. Busted, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Unfortunately, Dick Cheney's book is good. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate to give the guy credit. He can write. He's like a smart guy, you know? Like that's why he was so successful. So I unfortunately uh, do think the book is good. Fortunately, though, I did read it for free. So, <laughs> damn. That's all I got to say about that. Um, well, shout out to Dick Cheney's cardiologist. Yeah, honestly, that guy is a miracle maker. Yeah. yeah. Chris Jenner works hard. Dick Cheney's cardiologist works harder. <laughs> and he got a full transplant at 71. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Give it to someone else. <laughs> if you made peace with death, die. <laughs> I think I might just prove it. Out. No balls. Die. <laughs> I think I'm just gonna cut the episode there. <laughs> Die. <laughs>